Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca. Well, good morning. We are kicking off the fall, and uh, as we do so, uh, just uh, we've already talked about many ministries starting up. I also wanted to uh, just highlight that we also are making a hire. If you read the newsletter, you already know that. But just in case you don't, uh, we are going to be hiring a, uh, an events and connections director uh, for our church. Uh, Lee has basically been doing two full-time jobs uh, for the last year, so uh, we, we love Lee and we want her to continue to serve in children's ministry, so uh, we're going to need to hire uh, this new position. So if you want any details on that, uh, go ahead and find the link on the newsletter and um, they, they, you'll be able to do that. We already have several applications, so uh, we are going to start interviews soon, so if you're interested, please uh, submit your application. Well... Kicking off the fall, and uh, as such, we are back into the book of Genesis, and uh, we, we studied the first 20 chapters this last year, and uh, we called that series Foundations, and we call it Foundations because it's there that we find out where did we come from. Uh, how is it that everything that has life has life? Where did that come from? And we find in Genesis 1 and 2 that there is a creator That God is the one who created all that we see. And when he created it, he created it as very good. A male and female, he created them. And they were given a role to to oversee, to have dominion over the earth and then to multiply and fill the earth. This was the job that mankind was given. And and we find that even in, in that time, God would come into their presence. But then Genesis 3. And we find in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve rebel against God. And from Genesis 3 to 11, if, if you're being honest, it's kind of depressing, right? What we find out about mankind is that we are prone to do evil over and over and over again. We see people walking in rebellion against God. It gets so bad by chapter 6 that there are eight righteous people left on the earth. Like, that's not a lot. When you consider that there was probably at least a billion people already living on the earth at that point. So you think things are bad today, consider eight people left who would follow after God. And so the earth is flooded, um, and these eight are preserved, and we think, okay, fresh start. It's going to be good now, but it's not good. And by chapter 11, we're seeing that God is scattering people all over the earth, giving them different languages so that they would slow down their rebellion against him in union. And so where's their hope? Well, we've we've been given a signal of hope back in chapter 3, even in the garden, when there's a curse both on man and and woman and on creation. In the garden, God says, there is one who is coming, who will be born of woman, who will reverse the curse. He will come and he will stop the head of Satan. And so as we've been going through Genesis, we've been looking for who will this one be? And we're given a clue by the time we get to Genesis chapter 12. There's this man by the name of Abram at the time. 
He's a moon worshiper and God looks on him and says, I'm going to make you mine and I'm going to have, I'm going to build a nation through you. And he gives his promises and he asks Abraham to follow him in faith and he does. And from chapters 12 through 20, as we studied, we've seen some great moments of faith, right? And then some great moments of faithlessness in Abraham. And as we studied that, I think a lot of us, if we're being honest, we could relate to Abraham. Some days are great, and some days we would just like to forget when it comes to our faith. Which leads us now to chapter 21. And the theme for this year will be faithful. What we're going to see from chapters 21 through 50 of Genesis is that our God is faithful always. And he expects us to be faithful. This is what he calls you and I to do as followers of him. In this particular section that we're going to be looking at, 21 through 25, we're going to see our trials, his trustworthiness. Our trials, his trustworthiness. Anyone here have trials in their life? A few of you. Why is it the 11 is always asleep? It's like, like at 9 o'clock, you know, most of the hands were not because like they heard that who has trials, right? Because we all do. Um, And they put their hands up. But there was less hands in this one. So just a heads up. If you have never had a trial, it's coming, okay? We, we all will have trials. But I want us to see is that in the trials, God is always trustworthy. He, he, his character is such that he is faithful. And no matter what you're going through in life, you can put your trust in him. And, and, uh, and so we're going to see the, like, you know, the, this faithful map here. We, we're starting with our trials, his trustworthiness. As we look at Jacob later, we're going to see our failures, his forgiveness. And then we're going to culminate in chapters 37 through 50, where we're going to see our suffering, his sovereignty. But through it all, he is faithful. And this is really, uh, this message in Genesis chapter 21 really is, is highlighting this. We're going to see Abraham in in his life situation. There's going to be some good things. There's going to be some trials. And in all of it, God shows his faithfulness to him. And this morning, I want to ask you, do you believe that he is trustworthy? Like in everything in your life? Is there anything in your life where you feel like, well, I I got to take care of this. This is my thing. And then like all this other stuff, for sure, God's got that. But I, I got to do this thing. Do you trust him? Do you cast all your cares upon him, knowing that he cares for you? Well, I pray this morning, by the time we leave here, we'll be like, Lord, I do trust you. These things in my life that maybe I was holding on to before I came in, Lord, I give them to you. Lord, have your way in my life. That's my prayer for us this morning. And so let us go to the Lord together in prayer before we get into the Lord's word together. Lord, this morning... As we come to you, we recognize that you are a merciful and gracious God. Lord, even though we have sinned against you, you welcome us through, through our sins being paid for by Jesus' precious blood. Lord, because you are slow to anger, you did not strike us down when we walked in rebellion against you. But instead, you have made us your children when Christ defeated Satan and bought us from his rule over our lives. Lord, this morning we are so thankful that you abound in steadfast love. That your love will never be taken away from us. And that, Lord, you love us perfectly. 
Lord, we are also thankful this morning that you abound in faithfulness. You are always someone that we can trust. Lord, you never deceive, you never fail. You always do that which is for our good and for your glory. Lord, help us to believe. Help us to live according to that belief. Lord, teach us now through your word as the Spirit of God opens our hearts and minds. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we all need a Bible. If you don't have one, just go ahead and slip up your hand. We want to be able to look at God's word together. As I often say, I have nothing for you as the preacher. I'm just the middleman. God has given us his word, and my task is to proclaim it as best as I can. And so I want you to be looking at the Word of God. It is the authority over us here this morning. This is not a redemption thing. This is not a Trevor thing. This is a thus saith the Lord thing. And so as we think about God's Word in Genesis 21 this morning, we're going to see four godly responses to God's faithfulness. Four godly responses to God's faithfulness. The first thing we're going to see, because God is faithful, you can take him at his word. Because God is faithful, you can take him at his word. God is not like us. Every single word that God speaks can be trusted. He never deceives. He never makes false promises. He never finds himself in a circumstance where he wanted to do something, but now he's no longer has the ability to do it or the time to do it nor the power to do it. He, he always does what he says he will do. I mean, you think about you as parents. There are times where you say you're going to do something and you don't do it. Like it could be something good, right? Kids, we're going to have a picnic on Friday. Oh, we're going to have a picnic. It's going to be so great. You know, you're all excited. But then you realize you live in Canada and <laughs> it snows on Friday. No picnic. Was it your fault? No, it was not your fault. But you had said it was going to happen, but it didn't. With God, that never is the case. He's never tripped up by circumstances. When he says something will happen, it always happens. But not always when we would want, right? Sometimes it happens in his timing, always in his timing, and not in our timing. Abraham and Sarah, 75 years old Abraham is, and he's told, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a descendant. And, 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 and uh, I'm going to build a nation through you. And not only you know, is it going to be a nation, but, you, but it's going to be as, as, your descendant is going to be like the sand of the sea. Or sorry, the, the, like the sand of the shore, right? And that's how many descendants you're going to have. Okay, God promised. I'm so excited. 76, no kid. 77, no kid. 78. They get to 83, 84 years old. Sarah's like, oh, time up. I think what God wants us to do here is for you to marry Hagar and have a child through her. Surely this will be how God fulfills his promises. Was that God's plan? Well, that's not, not what he intended. But it happens. Not to God's surprise, but it happens. And this boy by the name of Ishmael is born. And as time goes on, 85, 86, 90, 95, listen, Lord, here's my son Ishmael. 
Here's my son Ishmael. Fulfill your promises through him. Nope. It's not the plan. The plan is through Sarah, you will have the child. Not the child of the flesh, but the child of the promise. That's who the covenant will go through. And by the time we get to this chapter, Abraham now is 100 years old. And now the promise comes. 25 years of waiting. Some of you have been praying and trusting the Lord for answers, and they have not yet come. Remember, his promises are always fulfilled, but in his time. And so continue to trust. You can take him at his word. We read in verse 1 of chapter 21, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Time has now come. A year earlier, he had visited Abraham and Sarah, said, you're going to have a child. Sarah laughed. (laughs) Really? Yeah, right. Like, I'm I'm about to turn 90. I don't think I'm having a kid. And, 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 And God's like, you are going to have him, and why did you laugh? And so they name him Isaac, which is what? He laughs, right? So there's like this double kind of like you doubted, but you will have a child. And now there is laughter because they're rejoicing. This idea of God visiting, he, he came and whatever had been preventing Hagar, or sorry, Sarah from having the child is now removed. And now she has the ability to conceive and we're told she has a son. It's kind of anticlimactic, right? Like one verse. She conceived and bore a son. Like what happened in that nine months, right? When she started to show, was everybody like, ooh, Sarah's putting on some pounds. Is that what they're, you know, like surely she can't be pregnant. She's 90 years old. I don't know. We're not told any of that stuff. I always like, I like to kind of imagine all that stuff. But the Lord said, this is all you need to know. They conceived, they had a son. What'd they name him? Verse three. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. Isaac, he laughs. When he came to Ishmael, Abraham had come up with the name, but God tells him, I want you to name him this. And so he walks in obedience to him, to God. Hamilton says, these distinctions between the names Ishmael and Isaac, when they were chosen, by whom they were chosen, serve to reinforce the fact that Isaac is indeed the special son, the promised son. And, verse 4, Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. We see Abraham's response to God's faithfulness is faithfulness himself. He, he walks in obedience to what God had told him. He named him exactly what he told him to name him. And now on the eighth day, not the seventh day, not the ninth day, on the eighth day, just as God had said, he circumcises his son to signify that this child will be the child of the covenant. This is what God had said and they were to do to, to know that they were the covenant people. And Sarah, she's 90 years old at this time, as I've already said. She says in verse six, or sorry, verse five, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Right? Like what's your response when you hear a nine-year-old has a baby, right? It's kind of like a chortle, you know, like a, a little snicker, right? And you're kind of like, <laughs> really? Like that's your response, like a 90-year-old, right? 
but they're also rejoicing. Like, how is this possible? Only God can do this. Verse 7, and she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And she's highlighting that this is an awe-inspiring thing, that only God could do such a thing, which I believe is the reason God waited as long as he did. There, there is no mistaking that this child is, is, is special, that he has come from God, that he is the child of the promise. Now they have received the promise. 25 years later, they had had a lot of struggles along the way. I already mentioned the whole plan with Hagar. Like, that was a terrible plan. The doubting. When, when God said, no, like, next year you're going to have a baby, there's still laughter. Like, oh, that's not going to happen. Abraham, like, no, no. Ishmael, my son, that's how it's going to work. No. God says, when I make a promise, I fulfill it exactly as I say I'm going to fulfill my promise. And my question to you this morning is, what promises are you struggling with today? What things... Has God said in his word that you're doubting today? I mean, just as Abraham and Sarah had ups and downs in their faith, so it is for you and I. And I'm here to tell you and here to remind you this morning that God is always faithful to his word. Some of you may be praying and you just feel like your, 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 your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. God, are you really there? You don't feel like he's there. Maybe the circumstances in your life right now are really, really difficult. Like, like God, you said that you would always love me, you, that your love would be steadfast, that you would never leave me nor forsake me. Yet I feel like things are not that way. That, that, that somehow, Lord, you've forsaken me. There's a choice in those times. Will I believe what God's word says or will I believe my thoughts and feelings? Again, I would remind you, you can take God at his word. If he said it, he does it. He is doing it. Unbelievers have problems with God's word, believing God's word. I find a lot of unbelievers really wrestle with the simplicity of the gospel. Really? That's it? Like I don't have to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or something to get into heaven? Like... Like there's nothing more? Like it's that simple? Yeah, it's that simple. You need to accept the fact that you are a sinner. That you've sinned against a holy God. The one who's created, you have sinned against him. You, you need to confess that to the Lord, God. Not just half-heartedly, but come before him and say, Lord, I am a sinner. And then you need to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to recognize that when he came to this earth, he was fully God and fully man, that he walked the perfect life. And because he was perfect, he became the spotless lamb of God who would be sacrificed for my sins and for your sins. And that on that cross, Jesus died for your sins. Your sins of the past, your sins of the present and your sins of the future have been all paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. He did it all. He died and rose again and he sits at the right hand of God the Father even today. And what God calls you to do is to place your faith and trust in him. To, to, and, and the Bible says 
that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. But it takes faith. Faith in this word. Do you believe today? I'm praying even now that the Lord is showing you you can trust his word. Whether you be a believer or an unbeliever, you can trust him. Well, the next thing I want us to see, because God is faithful, you can trust in him and his ways. You can trust in him and his ways. Verse 8 says, And the child, that's Isaac, grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. How many of you parents have done that? You had a great ceremony when your, when your child was weaned. What kind of parents are you? Okay, well, obviously there was a different time, and, and this is a different child. And it's a big celebration. He's probably around the age of three at this point. And so, hey, we're going we're gonna, to, he's graduated away from that. He's on to Whole Foods now, right? And, 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 and there's this ceremony that they celebrate Isaac. It's a great time, except for this. Verse 9, but Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. Now, there's been many things written on this. What does that mean, he was laughing? I think rather than getting into all the different possibilities, I would just simply say this. Paul, when writing about this in Galatians 4.29, he says that the son of the flesh persecuted the son of the promise. So whatever laughing is, was derogatory towards Isaac. That, that, that there was some kind of harm intended in what he had said. So he is, he is, is not for Isaac, his brother. Now, Ishmael's about 16, right? This is not like some kind of sibling rivalry, you know, like brothers and sisters will do with one another. This is a 16-year-old being in such a way to the three-year-old that it causes alarm for Sarah. So she says in verse 10, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. She sees Ishmael as a threat to Isaac. He, he cannot continue to live here if Isaac is to have the inheritance that he is supposed to have. Verse 11, and the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. He's like, really? I mean, he loves his son Ishmael. He's been raising him for 16 years now. He cares for his son. And so the idea that he should be sent away is not something he's pleased by. That's what I mean, displeasing means. And I can imagine he's thinking through, okay, like what kind of compromise can we make here? Right? Like what? Hey, 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 Ishmael. No more of that. You know? I don't know. <laughs> he's starting to think through though. What, what, what are some possibilities to do something different? But God intervenes. Now, if you've never read this before, you're probably thinking God interviewed saying, hey, Abraham, I don't know what Sarah's problem is, but she just needs to calm down. But he doesn't do that. He actually supports Sarah. Verse 12, 
But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Listen, it's not going to be through Ishmael. The promises of the covenant are only for Isaac. And so I'm, what Sarah is saying is right. You need to remove Ishmael from your home. be hard. You think about Abraham's situation. But he trusts the word of the Lord. It's interesting, as, as Paul looks back on this whole situation, he, he tells us a little bit of a commentary on this, Romans 9, 7, and 8. And not all, child, all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. He's saying, listen, it wasn't just because you, you were born of Abraham did not mean automatically that you were part of the covenant. Just the same as today, teens, the teens are all at the 11 o'clock, right? If they got any sway, they're at 11, not at the 9, Right? Teens, you can grow up in the church and not be a Christian and not be a part of the new covenant. You can call yourself a Christian. You know, you could check off on, you know, when you get 18, you can check off, yeah, Christian, religion or whatever. But unless you have confessed your sins to the Lord and repented of your sins and trusted in him fully and are following him, then you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a believer. Not all children of Abraham are, Abra- are, are, are part of the covenant. This is the same thing for you and I today. So what does that mean for Ishmael? He has to leave. Verse 13. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. About a year ago, he'd already said all of this to Abraham. And now graciously in the time of pressure, he's reminding him one more time. Listen. Isaac is the one who gets the eternal covenant. Ishmael, I'm going to make into a great nation. On this earth, he will be blessed. Why? Because I love you, Abraham. And I'm going to do that for you. He, in this, on this earth, he will be blessed. Thomas says this, God was taking up the tangled threads of his servant's life, weaving them into his own divine pattern and overruling everything for good. It's just amazing how God just said, like that, the whole Hagar thing should have never happened. Godly people should have never come up with that plan. Yet they did, and now God is saying, listen, I'm still going to bless that son on this earth. And so Abraham now is challenged to give his son Ishmael over to the Lord's care. He'll no longer be in his home, and he needs to trust in the Lord's ways that by him leaving, will still return, it'll turn out well for him, that he will be a mighty nation still. It took faith for Abraham to do that. This morning, do you trust in the Lord's ways? Sometimes it can be really hard to take that step of faith. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's, there's these times in life where we hit a crossroads and we know that we're supposed to do something. Sometimes it's to put away something. Sometimes it's to put on something. I remember it was 2005. 
It's the fall, and I'm starting to feel like God's calling me to go to seminary. And I'm like, uh, how's that going to work? Like, I got a three-year-old and an 18-month-old, and uh, I don't think I'm going to make a lot of money at the bookstore in Los Angeles, right? Minimum wage is not going to pay for the bills. How's that going to work? And I just felt like the Lord laid on my heart, Proverbs 3, 5. Proverbs 3, 5, which says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So I was like, okay, Lord, we'll go. And now looking back, I'm like, it was amazing how the Lord took care of us. How he provided for us in unexpected ways. I never would have thought it up. If I would have trusted in my own ways, I would have missed on what God had for not only me, but for our whole family. And I want to encourage you this morning to not lean on your own understanding, to lean on your own wisdom, but to lean on what God's word says and has for you today. I read the whole text there because sometimes there is the the need to put away evil. Or maybe there are some things that you've been doing that you just, you need to stop doing. In, In faith, you think that doing what you're doing is for your best. But God's word would say, no, it's not for your best. Trust me in my ways. And so it could be putting off or it could be putting on. What is it that the Lord is calling you to do? that you need to take that step of faith and trust the Lord. Listen, when you put your trust in the Lord, he never fails you. Do you know that? Never once. He is always faithful. And so I don't know. I I love the fact that the Spirit of God takes his word and he's pressing it into your hearts right now. And you know the thing. He's telling you the thing. And I pray that you would be resolved to do whatever it is that God's calling you to do. Thirdly, because God is faithful, you can turn to him in the wilderness. Verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Again, we see this right away obedience from Abraham. He sends his son and Hagar with provisions. Gives her a skin of water. You guys use that terminology, right? Skin of water. Hey, did you throw the skin of water in the cooler? How much is the skin of water? It's three gallons. So he gives them three gallons of water, some bread, Perhaps he's doing this early in the morning because he's hoping that they can get to wherever they're going to get to before the heat of the day. But as they go, we see that they're wandering. The idea is that they're kind of wandering aimlessly. There is no destination, no, no end goal, no end place where they can find hope or provision. 
And so we read in verse 15, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. The, the picture here is, you know, with her, with her 16-year-old son, she's not like, you know, lugging him around, but rather she's helping him, you know, just kind of, you know, how you'd put somebody around your shoulder and kind of help them along and lays him under the bush so then there's some shade. He's not doing well is what the picture is here. She, is, she knows he's not doing well. And so she says in, verse, says in verse 16, then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. She believed he was going to die. It did not look good. And so she goes a distance away and she's weeping, crying out to the Lord asking that she would not see his death. And God answers, verse 16. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. This is the second time that the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, has come to Hagar. She also had been lost in the wilderness previously in Genesis this is 16. And God comes to her. Now, the angel of the Lord is more than just an angel. He speaks as being distinct from Yahweh, and yet at the same time speaks as though he is Yahweh at times. Some scholars see the angel of the Lord as the pre-incarnate Christ. We cannot be 100% sure, but we can see, see for sure that the angel of the Lord is a visible manifestation of God. God comes and meets with Hagar. And he says, what's the problem? Well, he knows the problem. And right away, he assures her that the boy will be okay. Verse 18, up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. The Lord provided. He first makes the promise he will be made into a great nation. Do you know that, Hagar? And just so you know that what I say is true, I'm going to provide for you now in your present circumstances. And he, and he opens her eyes up to see the water. There, there is a well right there. I mean, those things are kind of just amazing, right? Like how, how it's the desert. How is she not seeing this well? Like how did she not see that all along? But then think about your own salvation. <laughs> the gospel was there all along. It was sitting right there. You had different people come to you and tell you about Christ. And you heard it, and went one in, in one year and out the other. Like, whatever. I don't believe it. It's not true. It's not for me. You had all kinds of excuses. But I pray that all of you here this morning could say, but there was that day. When all of a sudden, my eyes were opened up and I saw life. I saw the way of life, that Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And that if I would come to him, I would get to the Father. That the Lord would not only give me a future inheritance with him, but that he would take care of me now. That he would give me life abundantly. That I would go from a child of wrath to a child of God.
That I would, instead of walking in darkness, now be able to walk in light. That he would make me a new creation. This all happened in a moment with your eyes being opened. And I pray this morning, if you are still in that place, like, I still don't get it. I still don't get it. I pray this morning you would have that moment when your eyes are finally open and you would see God loves you and that he has made a way for you to be reconciled to him. He cares for you. You can trust him. Turn to the Lord in your wilderness. Maybe you're here and you're not even like, sure, how you got here. But you're here and you just got this gnawing in your life. There's this empty hole. I want you to know that only God can fill that. You were made to worship him. And until you do that, you're going to be restless for the rest of your life. And so cry out to him in your wilderness. Believer, are you crying out to him in your time of trial? Do you trust him? I was just talking to a couple this morning. The the guy had been in work 36 years, same company. On September 1st, he no longer works there. He doesn't know what's going to happen. But the Lord does. The Lord knows. And what, what a grace of God to him this morning to hear that word of the Lord. He knows. We can trust him. We can trust him. We don't know what the Lord has towards tomorrow or the next day or the day after that, but he does know and we can trust him. And so again, cry out to him in the wilderness. Well, we get kind of a close on Ishmael, verse 20, and God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and he became an expert with the bow, right? He, 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 all that aggression he has in his life, he becomes a great hunter, Right? And why? Because the Lord was with him. He blesses him. Verse 21, he lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. This is kind of the close on the story of Ishmael. We're going to see him one more time after Abraham passes away, but this is kind of closing the story in Ishmael. And Waukee says this, Ishmael experienced God's promise, his provision, and his presence. Now, Ishmael is an interesting character. He gets all of that. He gets the blessings on this earth, but well, we see him in heaven. Did he ever put his trust in the Lord God? You see, you can receive the blessings of the Lord on this earth and totally still miss heaven. What, what people mistake is divine grace with common grace. Common grace is what everyone receives, Right? The, the wicked farmer who shakes his fist at God gets the same rain that the farmer next door gets. It's called common provision. This is what God does. He cares for his creation. And there are some people who kind of like, well, if there is a God, I know we're good. Because look at all the blessings I got. My kids are healthy. I'm healthy. Look at all the money I got. I rarely have problems of any kind of consequence. God and I must be good. But you cannot think that as true blessing. Yes, God has given you these things. Everything that we have is from him. But you're still missing the covenant. Ishmael was outside the covenant. You and I, if we are to have God's blessing in the life to come, 
then we must be part of the new covenant. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. I pray that everyone here would know God's divine grace, not just his common grace. And then lastly, because God is faithful, you can testify for him in the waiting. You can testify for him in the waiting. Do you know that this isn't it? Anybody, anybody know that the time here on earth is, is just temporary? It's like a mist. Thanks a lot, Don, for reminding me in three years I'm going to be in that 55 plus club. How'd that happen? It's like there's got to be some wrong math there somewhere along the line. Like life is here and gone. We are so much like Abraham. We're just sojourners here on this earth. And we're waiting. Just as Abraham was waiting for the promises, we are waiting for the promises. One day soon, we will be with the Lord. We'll be in his presence. There'll be no more mourning, no more pain, no more crying. It's going to be incredible. No more sin. No more curse. That is the land that we will one day be in. And in the meantime, we're just setting up tents. So what are you doing with your time of setting up tents? May we follow the example of Abraham here. It says in verse 22, At that time Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. It's really interesting, right? Um, Abimelech was in the last chapter. It seems like it's been a while because it has been a while since we've been there. But just if you just glance back, we see Abraham with Abimelech. And the first time he meets this guy, Abimelech, he lies to him about Sarah being his his wife. Ah, she's my sister. This is the second time he's done that, right? And, And God, again, is sovereign over the whole situation. He closes the wombs of Abimelech's wife and his, and his slaves and says, hey, the guy, this gal is not just his sister. It is his wife. And so Abimelech returned, him, uh, returned Sarah to him, said, listen, nothing happened. Just so you know, here's, so the whole world will know that nothing happened. Here's all these provisions. And so he gives him silver and animals and slaves. That's the last time we've seen Abimelech. But now he's here, and Abimelech comes and is like, man, I see God is with you. I wonder if people will say that about you. Do they say, God is with you? I I can just see in in the way that you live your life, God is with you. And now Abraham is in a much different place spiritually. And he's really in a position of power here now instead of before. He's, he felt like he was, he was fearful and he wasn't looking to the Lord. But now as he looks to the Lord, he says to Abimelech, yeah, we, we can have a treaty. We can have peace. Yeah, Abimelech's faith is such that Abraham's going to be around for a while. So could you make sure that your descendants take care of us as well and don't come after us? And so they say they're going to have this treaty, but it's, 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 there's some pressure put on it right off the bat. Verse 25. When Abimelech reproved Abimelech about a, wall, a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it till today. Hey, 
I didn't know anything about this well thing. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I'm not being aggressive against you. Like, that's what he says. Whether he knew or not, we don't know for sure. But he said, listen, it's your well. And so they complete this covenant with one another. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? And he said, these seven ewe lambs you will take you will take from my hand that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore, that place was called Beersheba because there, were, there both of them swore an oath. So Beersheba means well of oath or it can mean well of seven. There's a lot of, a lot of sevens in here and things repeated over and over again, which is kind of fascinating. But the, the, the covenant is going to happen now. They will... Uh, Abraham will remain in the land. He will be at peace. Abimelech doesn't need to worry about Abraham being deceptive in any way. And the well has been established. The provision has been established that it is Abraham's. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then uh, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. When do you plant a tree? When you think you're leaving in a couple of weeks? No, you plant a tree when you think you're going to be there for a while. I think this is an act of faith. He is planting the tree. I'm going to be here for a while. The Lord has provided for me. And I will be at peace in this land after this treaty with Abimelech. And then he, what? He worships the Lord, the everlasting God. Do you do that in your life? And when things go well for you, do you, do you pat yourself on the back? Man, you know, Abraham's like, I'm such a politician. I mean, I totally worked at Bimelech over there, you know. I, I mean, look at me. That's not him. He worships the Lord because he understands everything that he has, it's from him. God is the one who did it. He is the everlasting God. He is the one who is the beginning and the end. He is everything. And when he says he will do something, he always does it because he has all of time in his hands. He worships the Lord. And then Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. What he had believed in faith that day came to fruition. He stayed there a long time. So, What does your life look like as you sojourn in these days? Do people look at you and say, God is with you? God is with you. When you you got that raise, you, you, you were like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, God, that you gave me that. Or were you like, well, of course they gave me the raise. I'm like an incredible employee. Like this place would fall apart without me. See the difference? Who gets the glory in that situation? And just as Abraham here is a person who speaks the truth, you and I need to be people of integrity, people who work hard in our workplace, that, that, that when, when we say something, we do it. That, that witness, a witness that our, our faith is not just something that we do on Sunday morning, but that our faith is in the one true God and we will live for him. And that we worship him for all that we have. Would that be said of you? Do you testify to the Lord, not just with your lips, but with your lives? 
Redemption, as we leave this place, may God find us faithful. May, may we be a people that when people look at us, they say God is with them. Like they just went through a terrible trial and yet they were not shaken. What is it they, they cling to? They keep saying they cling to their God. I need to figure that out because I'm going through some stuff in my life and I, I, don't, I have no hope, but they seem to live differently. May that be the testimony of you and I. Redemption, God is faithful. Do you believe that this morning? You can take him at his word. You can trust in him and his ways. You can turn to him in the wilderness and you can witness for him in the waiting. Redemption, may we grow in faithfulness as we study the book of Genesis. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time and your word this morning. What, what, what great reminders of your faithfulness today, God. God, help us to be people of the word, not, not just something that we read, but that we believe. Lord, everything that you say will come true. Lord, there's still promises to be fulfilled. Lord, you're coming back. Well, that could be today. It could be tomorrow. Lord, you say that you will return at a time that we do not know. Lord, that's today. That's tomorrow. Lord, we, we trust in you. Lord, you're coming. But Lord, in the meantime, would you increase our faithfulness? Lord, even as we see in Abraham, as, his, as he gets older, Lord, we see this increase in faithfulness. May that be our story. Lord, Lord, being willing to, to take the hard road when you ask us to, to, to do, Lord, whatever you would ask us to do. Lord, knowing, Lord, that you are always faithful. God, I thank you so much that you know your people here this morning. Lord, you know how you're pressing the word into their lives. God, May we see fruit, fruit from that. Lord, if there's decisions to be made today, Lord, may they be made. Help them not to be put off. Lord, that you might be honored, that you might be glorified in our lives. Lord, as we leave this place, we pray that we would be salt and light, Lord, for your namesake. Lord, would you save many who are lost today, Lord, right now who are blinded to the fact that life is right in front of them. God, would you show them through us that you are who you say you are. Lord, would you make them your children, we pray in Jesus' name.